I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to The Trader, a Spotify Top 10 Traders podcast. My name is Matthew. I'm a writer working in unscripted TV development, and I am a 100% faithful fan of the multi-award winning hit TV competition series, The Traders. This podcast features deep dives into every episode of the show, as well as interviews with contestants. And this season of the podcast is dedicated to season two of The Traders US. Today, my guest co-host and I will be looking at episode eight, and that co-host is not David Bloomberg. David has had enough of Peter and needed a break for a week, so someone else is stepping in. Before we meet them, it's time for some traders updates in an overdue TT News segment. Good news for US listeners, The Traitors UK Season 2, or Series 2 as I would say, will be available to stream on Peacock in the States from March the 8th. Not only that, but The Traitors Australia Season 2 and The Traitors New Zealand will then be available to stream on Peacock from March 28th. And as well as all that content, you will also, of course, be able to listen along to The Trader for a running commentary, inside info, and contested interviews. Unfortunately, although I covered UK Series 2 and Australia 2, I don't have a whole podcast season on New Zealand, but I do have a single, pretty long episode covering the entire season all in one go. And one of the finalists from New Zealand has appeared as a co-host on a Traitors Canada recap episode here on the podcast. So all in all, plenty of content from the Trader to feed your Traitors appetite over in the US. More US-based news, although slightly more regional, perhaps. If you happen to live near New York, Traitors host Alan Cumming himself 
will be hosting a watch party and conversation with Catherine Cohen all about the traitors on February 26th at 7pm Eastern Time, obviously, at the 92nd Street Y. Their website reads, Enjoy a screening of the latest episode on the big screen, then get the lowdown on the killer all-celebrity cast, the diabolical twists and turns, stories from behind the scenes, and more. February 26th is a Monday, so I'm assuming they'll be discussing episode 9 from the previous Thursday, unless they are having a special preview of episode 10. This is a charity event, and tickets cost $25. However, the website booking form suggests you can also buy what they are calling an online program ticket, implying it will be live-streamed. I am happy to test this out as a guinea pig and watch from here in the UK. The website also tells us about what the ticket price covers, saying, as a non-profit community and cultural centre, the 92nd Street Y, New York, relies on support from people like you. Your donation helps us continue connecting you to the programmes you love, no matter where in the world you are. I'll post the link to tickets in the episode description, and if anyone would like to be a trader correspondent at the event in person, please get in touch. I might even buy you a ticket. It's time to meet my co-host for today's episode, and not just any co-host, but a returning co-host. I am joined again by Stephen Ripley. Stephen is a writer who lives in Seattle. His latest play, written with his writing partner, Matthew Abergel, good first name and surname, is Queer Spirits, an anthology of queer myths, legends, and sacred tales from around the world. Stephen enjoys yoga, qigong, dance, reading, cooking, nature walks, movies, hockey, and theatre. That is more than all of my interests ever. And <laughs> <laughs> The Traitors is one of his favourite TV shows, of course. Stephen, welcome back to The Trader. How you doing? I'm good, Matthew. I'm doing real well. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Uh, very excited to have you back to talk about The Traitors again. We always have really good talks about what we've seen. How are you enjoying this season so far? I'm really enjoying the season. Um, it's very unique. I, I think it's unique because, well, I was actually thinking of what David was saying on the podcast uh, when he was comparing the season to uh, a film called The Warriors. Yeah. Um, that he mentioned. I've seen that film. I remember incredibly seeing it when it first came out in theaters. But it's about gangs in New York City. And the real, like, um, sort of unique part of this season of the traders is you've got these sort of different gangs that have developed and that creates a whole different dynamic on the show that's super cool and interesting and fun yeah and i think you've also been keeping up to date with some international seasons too so uh, have you you watched the recent uk season i'm sure i have yes okay which was fantastic yes i agree and so I, yeah, the UK <laughs> version of the show is my favorite version of the Traders, period. Yay, I'm she on camera. If you could see me, I'm like shaking my fists with happiness. Shaking my fists, that sounds too angry. I'm, I'm rejoicing. Uh, <laughs> are you saying then, Stephen, that really US listeners should definitely watch that UK season on Peacock and then listen to all my episodes of the podcast? That is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> 
I knew that's what you were getting at. Thank you. Now, it's time for us to set up our own game of betrayal and deception before we talk about episode eight of Traitors US. This is the Trader Traitor. Our not-so-secret mission from here on in is to tell one lie to one another. The lie has to be a fabrication or a made-up fact, big or small, about the traitors or about ourselves or anything else at all. For example, I could lie to Stephen and say that last week's episode of The Traitors US had the worst viewing figures so far because they didn't use a round table. By the way, that may very well not be a lie. I just made that up, but wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> However, I couldn't lie and say that I really liked Alan's outfits in this episode when the actual truth is not the case, and I'll come back to that later. That would be a fake opinion. So we're looking for fake facts rather than fake thoughts and feelings. Stephen, we have betrayed each other in the past. Are you ready to betray me again? I am ready to betray you again. And I also have notes about Alan's uh, outfits in this episode. Okay. So it will be amusing when we get to that point. Mm, wonderful, the same. Uh, in that it case, <laughs> <laughs> we are, I think we are ready to betray one another and detect one another's lies. Hopefully we shall see. And our game begins now, which means we're ready to go ahead and talk all about episode eight of The Traitors US season two. We start with a recap of the previous episode and we're reminded of some important things. So Peter, remember, Peter refused seduction, which is quite ironic for someone who was The Bachelor, and confused both the traitors and probably every human being watching the show. We had a torchy fire ceremony instead of a round table, which I don't think anyone really cared for. And it meant that seven people were protected from murder and four people were at risk. And those were Kate, Bergie, MG and Trichelle. And I, it's on record that my prediction at the end of the last podcast episode was that Trichelle would be murdered. And now, Stephen, you could completely lie here. Who, who did you think that they would go for to murder? Um, so let's see. Um, remind me again, who were uh, who were all of the people who were it, protected or the, not protected? Yeah, the people it could have been were Kate, Bergie, MJ and Trichelle. And I was convinced they would just go for Trichelle. It was for me, I, I, I sensed that they were on the fence between Trichelle and Bergie. And I think it could have gone either way. Um, and honestly, I think either choice was a good choice. Okay, yeah. You know? And so in this episode, we are about to find out what they decided then. So we start at breakfast. CT and Sheree arrive first. And CT reminds us that Trichelle was very upset with him last time because he didn't save her at the fire ceremony. Sheree thinks that either Bergie or Trichelle will go, just like you said, Stephen. Phaedra arrives in... What I feel is her best outfit yet. She has a beret, a tartan tie, a little sparkly brooch. She's got this cool green coat on. Uh, I I think it's just really cool. Kevin, by the way, Kevin arrives and he can't say Parvati's name. He keeps saying poverty, like he can't pronounce it properly. 
<laughs> I I've seen a few people do this. It's very strange they've reached episode eight and she hasn't like corrected people and be like, that's not my name. <laughs> he he it's says probably that... because it's probably because she's been suspected as a traitor from the very beginning and she's like, that's the least of my worries. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, she's just like, I don't call me whatever you want, just don't call me a traitor. <laughs> so yeah. Kevin he wants to see Parvati arrive because he thinks, well, that all sort of affirm my suspicion that she's a traitor. He's saying if she doesn't show up and she's been murdered, I will be shocked. Yeah. Kate, Kate and MG then enter. So we know it is in fact down to either Bergie or Trichelle. Or or technically Parvati, but we know that's not gonna happen. But also the players just they just sort of seem to have universally accepted that she is a traitor as well. Like they they're not really wondering if she's going to show up. It's like they've just agreed among themselves. Yeah, she's she's a traitor, right? <laughs> and... Yeah, there's no there's no suspense with her any longer. Um, there's yeah. no even. I mean, everything that happens with her during the day is weirdly not well. We'll see what happens, but it's not what you expect because everybody knows she's a traitor. You yeah, know? yeah, it's. It's strange how it's worked. Like, I feel like this doesn't really happen that much in The Traitors. Like, people always have their suspicions. And sometimes, you know, one or two people are dead set on someone. But this really is a case where the entire group of players just, they just sort of accept, oh, she's obviously a traitor. And yeah, like you said, there's not really that much suspense about it as we go on. Uh, And, uh, then Parvati does arrive through the door, followed by Trishel. So I was completely shocked. I gasped watching this. Bergie is gone. It flew in the face of my prediction from last week. And we get our little flashback. We see the traitors talking about Bergie. They think that killing him is the next best thing to getting rid of Peter. Of course, they couldn't get rid of Peter. He was protected. Presumably because Bergie and Peter are really close He's kind of Peter's sidekick. He'll do whatever Peter wants. So they have to. Yeah, in the um, in the post mortem uh, show, um, they refer to him as Peter's lieutenant. <laughs> and so, if they can't get the captain, lieutenant is the next best thing. Yeah, that was basically their reasoning. Yeah, which is it makes makes sense. It's a, it's a good plan. Uh, and we actually see Bergy getting his letter, telling him he's been murdered. He says he thinks he was murdered because he can't be manipulated. And he says, you know, he played the best game he could, which wasn't really that successful because he's gone now. Um, I I kind of have a thought here, though. He's, he seems quite proud. He's saying I can be manipulated as if he's quite happy about that. But I thought, well, that's a bad thing. You have, I don't think you want to appear like that. You probably should play the game and try and appear quite amenable and quite pliable like is it doesn't that make more sense than than show everyone it does i um i had the 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 note that i had was i'm not sure that uh, based on what he said at that moment i'm not sure that he understood what was happening with the numbers game and the two games yeah that uh, I'm not even, it, it wasn't clear to me that, I mean, to me, that's so clearly why this, you know, why he was murdered was because they're trying to get the Peter pals 
down in number. Yeah. So that the Bravo girls, as they call themselves at another point, <laughs> can have more dominance in the house. And I don't I, I didn't get the sense that he understood any of that. Maybe he does, but I he wasn't revealing it. Yeah. I I would agree with that too. And I even think Peter also doesn't understand the ramifications of how he's behaving, but we'll we'll definitely get to that. Uh, so we're we're back at breakfast. John raises a toast to pay respects as if Bergy is actually dead. And Peter says that vengeance is coursing through his veins because Bergy has gone. And there's a very hilarious moment now. This is classic. Phaedra, while everybody's sort of yakking about the murder, she's like, I want some cream cheese and jam. <laughs> and she's looking around, smacking her lips. She's so funny. She loves her food. She does, which also may, well, does kind of come back around to bite her. So it uh, does. She needs to be careful about how she's behaving at breakfast. At least she didn't spill her coffee on someone like <laughs> yes. he, he walks in and immediately spilled his coffee all over Sheree. Yeah. Uh, uh, she's so classy <laughs> about it. Trishelle is speaking in her one of her her myths her interviews she she says straight up she knows phaedra is a traitor she and we've, we've seen her say this before uh but she's really gunning for her now she says everyone is too busy looking at the obvious which is poverty but she is convinced that phaedra is the way to go alan appears at breakfast and right here's here's i'll say this controversial thing right i know what alan's styling is very fun and flamboyant and sometimes I really enjoy it. And I think, well, that's really, I like that they've got, they've made him this very over-the-top character. But I also think, especially in this episode, they kind of just make him look like a really old man. Like, he's not particularly old. Like, they make him look like he's 90. Like, usually, Alan Cummings pretty cool. And he, I've seen him do a cabaret show in real life from a distance and he, recently he was on the graham norton show here in the uk doing an interview and like yeah he's quite funky but sometimes i think when they overload him with tartan and hats i'm like you've made him look like an old professor at hogwarts like he's not that old. <laughs> yep I, the note i wrote down is alan looks like mother courage <laughs> Especially when he takes his little, whatever that is, that blanket, he puts it over his head. I was like, this just is not the look for you, Alan. It's not the look. Yeah. So I mean, he looked comfortable. He did. He looked, when they were out in the woods and he had his shawl on, he did look very yes. cozy. But also about 100 years old. Yes. So uh, I'm glad we're in agreement. Alan, then, but still a fan, like, like Alan very much. Alan yep. then uh, takes down Bergie's picture and destroys it on the floor before alluding to his holiday home where he has a guest staying. Kate immediately remembers the cabin from her season, season one, and the viewers as well will probably remember, especially if you've watched Traitors UK, you, you, you probably know what's coming. It's time for some discussions around the house then. Trishel, I get she she wants Phaedra out. That's her motivation for the entire episode now. And her reasoning is that poverty is the obvious choice and that everyone will already be going for her tonight at round table so she wants to go for phaedra instead i having watched the whole episode i'm still not 
totally understanding her thinking. She keeps saying things like, oh, if we don't get Phaedra out, she'll make it all the way to the end. I, I, so I, I, I don't really follow why she's so desperate to get Phaedra out now. What are your thoughts on it, Stephen? I think um, my understanding of Trishel's reasoning was that she wants, because Parvati is, as we've said, everyone knows she's a traitor. And she's on borrowed time, and they can get rid of her in the next episode. Whereas I think Trishel wants to go after Phaedra because she's so trusted and in with, um, you know, this. I'm using the term Bravo girls because mm -hmm. in the postmortem, that's what Kate calls them. She says, yeah, the, the Bravo girls are in a good shape now yeah. um, because because Phaedra is really in with them and she's protected by them. And if she is indeed a traitor, she is fooling them. And it could be a, Trishel's trying to be like sort of a good faithful in the sense that she wants to get somebody out who she perceives could make it all the way to the end and fool people and have it be another Sari situation. And I think that's her, what her reasoning is. Yeah. Okay, I guess so. I guess yeah. there are only four episodes left beyond this. So yeah, maybe she is like, I don't really need to try to get Parvati out. But yeah, like I, I might be murdered tonight. So as long as I'm here, I'll go for the person that is less obvious. And then I'll look like a really great faithful. Oh, okay, sure. Yep. And, you know, to be fair also... She's not making the mistake that a certain UK player made recently by waiting too long. Yeah. Yes. When you have that kind of suspicion. If you wait too long, it could be too late, as we saw. Mm, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So Trishella then uh, talks to Peter in the armory, and she brings up her reason. She says, look, Dan, before he was banished, Dan suddenly threw out Phaedra's name. Isn't that strange? I think it's because Phaedra is a traitor. She also says that Phaedra never looks nervous. She's always just too sort of calm and laid back. And again, you talked about her at breakfast. Kevin then arrives and Trishel tells him about her thoughts on Phaedra too. And Trishel seems to be, she seems like she's actually talking Peter around. Like he's starting to kind of understand her thinking. Uh, she says, Again, Parvati, she compares Parvati to a wounded bird, which I think someone else used maybe in another episode. And they think, well, she'll sort of do whatever she can right now, so why don't we get her on side and turn her against Phaedra? And she she even says, if I get murdered, fuck it. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not a good strategy. You don't want to, don't don't just like allow yourself to be murdered. Be careful. Uh, we also get some exterior shots of pouring rain in Scotland, and I think that's more like it. Like, that's the real Scotland. I feel like I'm genuinely watching my whole one screen. Now, all these sunny, bright, lovely shots, that's like the three good days of the year. So the rain is, is far more apt. It's very familiar to me as well, because we're basically on the same, I guess it's latitude, and sure. Seattle is very much like Scotland. So it's like... Ah, rainy day. That's just a day that ends in Y. <laughs> exactly. Peter then decides to talk to Parvati alone. He says, he's like, 
trying to establish what where things went wrong for them and he says our relationship deteriorated when she told other people his secret and i i think he means the fake shield story like when he pretended he had a shield but i, I actually couldn't really follow what the he he wasn't more specific than that i couldn't follow that conversation yeah. it was all a tissue of lies anyway in both directions so yeah. i was like yeah they're all they're just garbling at one another at this point yeah, truly. Like he, she doesn't trust him. He doesn't trust her. They're both pretending that they want to trust each other the whole time. MJ's outside the door listening, uh, and Parvati's saying like, "I'm, I'm just, I've been a target because I aligned myself with Dan, and I shouldn't have. And that was a mistake." Um, I think Peter's playing a risky game because they're not, they're not equals. Like he. He he knows she's a traitor, and she knows he's faithful. So him like trying to get on side with her, I think she can murder you whenever she wants, unless you've got a shield or something. He you can't murder her. So I just think it's so dangerous to to try not to not to side with a traitor. I think that's a good plan, but to have called out someone like he clearly thinks she's a traitor. And he's now trying to pretend that he maybe doesn't think that. I just think you've, Peter, you've picked, well, as it turns out in the end, it doesn't matter. But I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what Peter's doing. I think Peter is just making things up as he goes along, thinks he's got it all figured out and then goes, oh shit, I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to have to do something else now. <laughs> I agree. And this is the second time that he's come to Parvati and said, uh, let's make a deal. We can work together. He did it a few episodes ago, or yeah. I can't remember when, but it's like, really just, I can't understand what he's doing or, or how he thinks this is going to help. Um, and guess what? It doesn't help. You know, <laughs> by the end of this episode, everybody's like, you know, looking, you know, doing this with Peter. Yeah. Looking, you know, and um, yeah, it's just, Plus the whole conversation he has now with Parvati, it's all, it reminded me of that episode of Friends where everyone finds out where it's, I know that you know that I know that you know, I know that you know. It's just like, oh my dear. Yeah, very much so. And you're right. I, and we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but I don't know, might as well say it now. People listen, have seen the whole episode. Yeah, Pete, by the end of this, you're right. Peter suddenly has lots of eyes on him and people questioning him. And I think, what? A fall from now I don't think he was ever playing an amazing game but everyone just assumed it's like the opposite of poverty everyone just assumed oh he is clearly a faithful we all trust him and now it's just all crumbled because of how he's behaving and changing his opinions or pretending to change his opinions so it's fascinating how it's all turning out for Peter yes there's a I'll just quote another line that Kate delivers uh, in the postmortem, I think she says, "Peter is being a traitor to the faithfuls." Yeah. So he's not saying that she thinks he's a traitor, but that he's he's not acting in a way that is conducive to the faithfuls winning this game. Yeah, and you know that's what's happening. She's she's they they speak in the in the kitchen very near the end of the episode, and she she says basically something like that. Yeah. So, uh, because MG has been listening to Peter and Parvati talk, she goes and tells some others about this. 
She finds it very suspicious. And they all agree that Parvati is just doing the rounds to save herself. She's going around and speaking to everybody and trying to get them to not vote for her tonight. Meanwhile, John asks Phaedra who she thinks is a traitor, apart from Parvati. And she says, Peter, she says he's acting too crazy and erratic. I don't really think John's the right person to say this to because he really loves Peter. But again, we'll, we'll see how things go. Peter then breaks uh, his Phaedra plan to Parvati. He practically says to her, you probably still are a traitor, but you want to get Phaedra out first. <laughs> and of course, she's like, okay. <laughs> so it's just a very uh, strange web of lies and non-lies and pretend acting and all sorts of things. After everything he did, when he said that, I thought, that's where you should have started and just left it. <laughs> Do you want to save your ass? Yeah. We see a little bit in the cars on the way to the mission for today. Trichelle reaffirms to Parvati that she says, um, maybe you're not a traitor. Actually, I've got more reasons to believe it's Phaedra. And so I, at this point in the episode, I didn't, I couldn't see where it was going. I thought, oh, maybe Phaedra's going tonight. Maybe that's where this is all going. And of course, it does end up being very, very close. We arrive then at our mission. It's the creepy cabin and the players start to guess who is who is this mysterious guest that Alan has referenced. And we see some mysterious shots of a figure, their foot, their, you know, their, their foot, <laughs> their feet. Wow. I forgot the plural for the word foot. We see their feet <laughs> and uh, we then find out it's Dr. Will. I have no idea who this man is, but we hear from Trichelle that he's, the most devious Big Brother player ever. And uh, David on the podcast, David Bloomberg had mentioned him a few episodes ago. Actually, at the time, I thought David was lying. I thought David had invented Dr. Will and that was his lie for the Trader Traitor. But no, he's a real person. Uh, Stephen, what do you know about Dr. Will? I know, what I know about Dr. Will is that he was on Big Brother and professionally, he is a dermatologist. Okay. And that's pretty much all I know. Um, on the episode, what confused me is that he was wearing a deerstalker hat and a cape, and he kind of looked like he was playing the role of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but it didn't make any sense, so I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, yeah. But I like the creepy cabin, especially the rocking chair that rocks by itself, <laughs> um, which is like the rocking chair in that television show Lost when they find the creepy cabin in the woods. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So that was a good touch. Creepy cabin. Yeah, it's quite like lost in a way. Yeah, I love that show. Um, I also, there's lots of things about Dr. Will's appearance here that makes no sense to me. And I have spoken to David Bloomberg offline. And I think David is also just thinks it was a total waste of time. I'm sure he will talk more about it when he is back next week. Uh, the, I'm, I'm sidetracking a bit here. I, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent, but I just don't really care for this like let's bring in a random big brother person for an episode because and, and this is a major difference between us traitors and uk traitors uh, that i think a lot of viewers over here where i am in the uk just can't get on board with like if you don't really know these reality stars and i don't know most of these people you in fact the one two one or two that i did know are now gone <laughs> you're you're kind of already a step behind like you 
there's not as much of a reason to invest in them. Whereas with, and this is like a big, broad, more general conversation about having celebrities on the show at all. It's, I think it's just difficult to really care about. I don't care about these celebrities winning hundreds of thousands of dollars. I care about people who are not celebrities winning money and maybe changing their lives. And so I, I don't, I'm like, why is this man called Dr. Will here? This means nothing for me. So he, he introduces the challenge and you've now answered my question, Stephen, because I wondered, is Dr. Will even his real name? But you've done your research more than I did. He is a doctor. Okay. I thought it was like a Dr. Doom, Dr. like a cartoon, like superhero <laughs> name or something. Um, so my, my guess, my guess is that Dr. Will, quote, Dr. Will, unquote, might be his nickname on Big Brother. Maybe that's what they called him. Yeah. Um, that's a guess. David yeah. can confirm I, it. I probably, that sounds, that's how David referred to him before he was on this. So sure. Must be. Yeah. Plus he has, he's, he's kind of like, he has a big, like, apparently he has a lot of YouTube videos and he has kind of an online personality. So he's doing that whole like thing that some doctors do where it's like, I'm Dr. Will, you know, so yeah, yeah, more sure. familiar, I guess. Yeah. He shows them into the cabin then and locks the door in this like devious, villainous manner that I, I'm just, I can't take it. I'm too British for this. <laughs> like, Claudia Winkleman doesn't do this. So I, it, it's just a, a wee bit too silly for me. And anyway, the, the players begin searching they find a map on the table. Someone says, did anyone see the key? It's literally on the table in the center. <laughs> and they figure out that there is a tunnel system underneath the cabin. Kate says she's really into radios. She's like, I'll do the radios. I'm assuming it's because she's on below deck and they use radios yes, a lot. That's exactly. So she wants to stay in the cabin and guide the people in the tunnels from there. They figure out someone has to hold down two switches for the lights, but the lights can only be on in the tunnel or the cabin, not both at the same time. Kate spots the trapdoor overhead and is just like, nope. So <laughs> Kevin then takes over that job. And... That's one of my favorite moments in the whole <laughs> mission is Kate realizing someone's going to dump things on my <laughs> head. And then she's like, um, uh, Kevin, you'd be perfect at this. Yeah. So funny. She doesn't even give him a choice. She's just like, do it. I'm not doing this. <laughs> so he's like, okay. And we see Dr. Will pouring in the buckets from of, of bugs from overhead. It's really gross. That made me laugh. That was that <laughs> did make me laugh is that they actually have someone crawling up a ladder and we see them chuckling and pouring the bugs in the water in. Yeah. Very funny, actually. It's it's wild. It's uh <laughs> I, I don't, it's just, it's nuts. It's, I like, I, I like the mission. I like the escape room vibe. Find the map, find the key, figure out the switches, go into the tunnel. I don't need the, the bugs and the rats for me personally. I'm like, I don't need that element of it. Especially, you know, the poor little rats. Yeah, the poor little rats and the poor little people who, I mean, I have to tell you, all the people who jumped ship during this mission, yeah. I don't blame them for a second. I would honestly <laughs> do the same thing. Bugs? Sorry, no. Not yeah. bugs. Yeah, not for me. I mean, I think I would put up with it, but they do have a safe word. Their safe word is haggis. 
if they want to leave and it costs a thousand dollars every time they do this so mj uses it first followed by phaedra down in the tunnels ct finds a shield and gives it to Trish basically gives it to trishel sort of restoring her faith rebuilding their friendship peter there's this interesting moment because peter and john also they witness it like they know about it and peter says right don't tell anyone about this let's just keep it a secret between us what's interesting is that i couldn't tell if parvati was also hearing this because she was in the tunnels but i i didn't know if she was there to hear that conversation like i think she she must have heard them saying it but they don't you can't really see it in the edit so i couldn't quite figure it out yeah it was very dark in the tunnel it's hard to tell yeah who was where. yeah yeah eventually Sheree also haggises out followed by Kate <laughs> it just says I think I'm at haggis I don't <laughs> I don't really want to be good at this I'm over this shit so uh... earlier just before just before they start the line that made me laugh so much is Kate says all missions are awful <laughs> and I was like I want that t-shirt <laughs> yeah. I, I just want a t-shirt that says I think I'm at Haggis because <laughs> it may, out of context means absolutely nothing but if I wore it and then like some random Traitors fan saw it and they got the connection that would be really fun for me yeah. uh, so off they go which means Kevin is alone trying to do this mission it seems like CT down in the tunnels he, he sees like he wants to return and help Kevin I don't know if he actually does but it... I think I think he runs up quickly and then it was very chaotic at that point. Yeah, yeah. I think he runs up quickly and then very quickly they decide it's time to jump ship and escape. Yeah. So I yeah. think he came up and then they both just went down. Right. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, at the end of the mission, John emerges from the tunnel first. He's got two gold coins. Well done, John. See, I do say nice things about John. Someone <laughs> on Spotify wants me to stop having digs at John. I, I don't dig it up that much. And also the the Spotify user I said like, oh, is the host really conservative? And that's why you keep going on at John. Firstly, no, I'm not conservative. <laughs> also, John was a conservative MP, so it's the wrong way around. Like if I was like a conservative fan, I would be praising John. So no, no, that's not what's happening here. Um, but okay, I'll I'll say nice things about John. Also John's not listening to this podcast. <laughs> like, I'm punching up. John is like a wealthy man. I don't think he cares what some random guy in Scotland says about him on a podcast. Okay. Anyway, John is followed by Trichelle, Peter, CT, who then goes back in for more gold after being yelled at by Trichelle, Parvati and Sandra. And then I think Kevin must make it out too. Maybe, yes. maybe not in that order. Like you said, Stephen, it's very chaotic. But... In the end, they have $11,000 after the penalties from the four people who haggised out. Alan asks if anyone wants to admit to having found the shield. He says someone found it. Do they want to own up? No one does. Dr. Will has a pointless closing scene where he just says, I've got a lot of cleaning up to do. And again, I just thought, why was he here? And how much did they pay him to get to Scotland for a day of... 20 seconds of screen time and his appearance fee, whatever that is. Um, yep. I mean, I, this is, this is, you know, this is catnip for 
the reality fans who yeah. like those shows. That's that's why he's there. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for me, I was thinking about it this week, and I was like, well, you know, I didn't care that Dr. Will was on because I don't know if um, I don't, you know, I've never watched Big Brother. I don't know who he is. But if they had, to be fair, if they had like Christian from Project Runway or, <laughs> um, you know, what what's his name? Marcel from Top Chef, who were, you know, iconic players of those shows, then they would have to get my attention. Yeah. Or if they had, what if they had one of the Queer Eye people, you know? Yeah, I mean. And I would probably be more into it because I'd be like, oh, I know these people. This is great. I would too. But I would also still be disappointed that they weren't really used. I would sort of think, oh, you you came and did a cameo and you left. I, I would still feel it was a bit, uh, didn't go anywhere. And I'd be like, oh, you could, they could have made you do more than that. Yeah, so- there was, I mean, there was one joke, which is Dr. Will is kind of known as a great big brother villain and they had him play the villain. That was the joke. Sure. You know, yeah. so. So we arrive back at the house. Parvati and John are having a talk. And because she says that he's the most faithful of the faithful. Again, big turnaround for John because in episode one or two, he got votes at the round table. He was nearly gone. But now everyone just knows he's probably not a traitor. She wants to get him on side. She says she wants to put on a killer performance. And I don't even think she intends the pun. She has a chat with him and pretends to cry and says that she's been masking her emotions this whole time. That's just the way she is. But people read that as her being traitorous. And she sort of says, oh, the past two years have been really difficult for me. I can't tell if John's buying it or not. I At the time, I thought, oh, he's all in. He says no one has displayed such guts and character as you. So I thought, oh, this has worked. Later on, I realized, oh, it probably didn't work. Um, and he, he says to her that she must demonstrate she's a faithful player and won't chop off his head. I don't know how she demonst- how she'll demonstrate that, but hey, she, she's just grinning like, no, not me. I'm not a traitor. <laughs> it's just a really weird interaction. Uh, Kate is talking to Trichelle, John, Kevin and CT. And she says that she's going for poverty tonight. Trichelle then uh, raises, you know, Phaedra again. She says she's going for her tonight. Meanwhile, Phaedra is wandering around the house looking for people, (laughs) which I think, again, if you can't find everybody, that probably means that they're somewhere talking about you. And uh, Kate is very confused about why Trichelle is throwing a wrench in the poverty plan. That's how she phrases it. Mm-hmm. Trichelle also says she doesn't want to confront Phaedra before the round table. She says Phaedra's too good at arguing. She's the smartest person here. So I think she doesn't want to give her a heads up. She wants to just surprise her tonight with all of mm-hmm. her evidence. Of course, Phaedra then walks into the room to the most awkward silence ever. Very uh, awkward. <laughs> and Now, I'm sure this is all the magic of editing to make it more funny than it is but Kate just sort of abruptly leaves followed by a few others and Phaedra in her little interview clip says there's a weird feeling going on she says uh there's a sense of paranoia yes um which uh yeah very true yes there should be 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So it's time for the round table. Uh, going into the round table, we've got some interview clips. Phaedra thinks that Parvati is going tonight. Parvati, on the other hand, is gunning for Phaedra. Trishel's worried. She says that Phaedra has three rider dies who will not vote for her. I could, was trying to figure out who those three were. So I think it's Sheree, MJ, and Sandra. Are these? Yes. Okay. Okay. That's who I think Trishel thinks. Yes. Yeah. Are her rider dies. Which is funny because actually earlier in the episode, Sandra, there was a moment where Sandra did consider. She was like, maybe it is Phaedra. Maybe I shouldn't be going for Parvati. So, so Sandra, I mean, again, I don't really know who she is. I know now that she was on Survivor. So she's very clever, very tactical, very strategic. So Sandra seems like she's playing the game right because she isn't 100% trusting anyone. Even yeah, people I, think she's she's, I think she's one of the best players on the game. And you can tell that she's really always considering all evidence. Yeah, And uh, she's a thinker and yeah. she's a strategic thinker. Um, I, I have a theory that Sandra might even suspect Phaedra, but she's not going to say anything just yet. I think she's mm. that player. She's kind of like jazz that yeah. way. Yeah. She's, she's thinking ahead, but not playing all of her cards. Yeah. That, that makes it's a feeling I get. Sure. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So Alan speaks to everybody at round table. He tells them that they have banked $114,550 at this point. Uh, gives his little speech. Gives us another Macbeth reference. He says, who looks like the innocent flower, but is the serpent under it? Parvati then begins. She says, I know my name's out there. Uh, and she, she again, she tries to defend herself like she did with John earlier. She says, how I survive is that I become a brick wall. Like that, you all read it as being sort of cold and calculating. I'm just very defensive um, and self-protective. She says, I made the wrong decision about who to trust, obviously referring to Dan. And she says, you know, you're all reading this as being signs of, uh, you know, uh, this is a sign that I'm a traitor, but, I, you know, I'm not, I promise I'm not. Trishelle then speaks and says she's been looking over her notes <laughs> and she says she doesn't really have anything on poverty. But for you, Phaedra, I have so much. And she turns to Phaedra and begins her list, her evidence list. I have a note here um, wondering if when the show's all done, will Trishel be publishing her fam her famous notes? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, uh, she's, she'll have some merch, her notebooks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, I, I, would, I will happily buy that. They should do yeah, that. I'm, 
unless she burns them because she's she threatens <laughs> to do that quite a lot she does and i i'm 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 glad she said that because i'm going to come back to that little comment she made uh yeah i on, i think on the last episode of the podcast we had melissa from traitors canada and melissa said actually one of the one of the rules they've got lots of rules to stick to but they were never told they couldn't make notes in their mm -hmm. hotel rooms so they are allowed to go away and write stuff down on their own i think they just can't show it to anyone so yeah i would love if the producers like compiled notes from various players put it together in a little book and published it I, I'll, I'll buy that same uh, so here's trichelle's list she says firstly phaedra never acts surprised at breakfast when people arrive and they're, they're you know they're waiting to find out who's been murdered phaedra just doesn't ever really seem that bothered about it and Phaedra retorts by saying, well, I'm not frantic like you, <laughs> which made me laugh. Uh, secondly, uh, Trichelle says, well, you know, Dan turned on you and Dan's really smart. And I thought, well, not in this game, he wasn't. And Trichelle's asking, why would he do that? Why would he land your name in it on that night that he knew he was going to get banished? There's something in that. John then jumps in here. And he says, yeah, why would Dan lie at the last minute when he knew he was about to be banished? Phaedra, I think, he sort of cleverly defends this. And she says, well, because he was still protecting the traitors. He wasn't turning on a traitor. He mm -hmm. was protecting the remits. So she said, she's like, no, he, he picked me because he knows I'm a faithful. Um, which is a, a fair defense. Uh, and Kate then jumps in at this point as well. And I think she's trying to protect Phaedra, although I couldn't quite follow what she was saying. She, Kate says, last year, when I was in this first season and I played the game, just banishing the person who the last banished traitor voted for wouldn't have worked. I think that's what Kate's saying. Yes. But maybe she's saying the opposite. I, I couldn't I think she no, was I defending Phaedra. No, I think that's Phaedra. exactly what Kate was saying. Okay. Um, and she's, it seemed to me she was trying to defend Phaedra um, because what, I mean, you know, Kate's thing at this point, as we'll find out soon, is she's just so annoyed. Like, why have we, why have we jumped tracks? Yeah, yeah. You know, why aren't we sticking with the Parvati track? Why are we over here now? So I think she's trying to get her, her word in, you know, about that too. Okay. Uh, Trishel's last sort of item is that, well, Kevin and Trishel kind of say this together, actually. Kevin jumps in and he says... Phaedra, I've noticed you have this nervous twitch and Trishel saying, yes, yes. She mentioned this earlier in the episode too. <laughs> of course, Phaedra's just like, what are you talking about? No one has ever said this to me. It's ridiculous. And John then <laughs> comes in with one of his John little speeches. And Classic. Says, <laughs> he says, I have a thought. Parvati, and he's, he's clearly prepared this, right? Parvati may well be a duchess of deception and a mistress of murder. <laughs> and the thing is, there's lots of reaction shots of people like, oh, what? Like, shocked. And I'm like, this isn't really shocking. You all think it's Parvati anyway. Like, don't act surprised. And John said... It is a good turn of phrase, though. <laughs> it is. It's like, good fun. Really, like, I think... Um... When, the, when this roundtable started, the note that I wrote down is they all look so tired right now, probably after the cabin. But yeah. I think they all started really perking up when he was talking. <laughs> yeah. it's, a great, it's a rousing speech, you know, 
Uh, it's very like he's really showing his political chops right now. Like time for a rousing speech. You know? Exactly. And John was not just an MP, but he was Speaker of the House and House of Commons. So yes. that's how I'm much, that's how I'm most familiar with John is just actually seeing him in the news and the House of Commons, like, you know, calling the House to order and stuff like that. So he's, he's obviously a very charismatic speaker. And this is his thing. This is, he knows how to get an audience's attention. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's, it's good fun. He says to Parvati, you were clearly Dan's accomplice and says that she's always uh, always been very serene about the threat of murder, which is funny because it's kind of similar to what Phaedra is being accused of, of not being nervous or anxious enough. And he points out something very interesting, that at the sacrifice ritual, as he's calling it last week, the fire ceremony in the woods, she was the only one who didn't really plead for her life. And he says, I think it's because you knew you didn't need to, so you didn't really look that desperate. Um. Parvati then tries to defend herself. She she thinks she's just being kept around because the traitors know that she's a prime target, so that's why she isn't being murdered. And though, and so that made her not worry about being murdered because she thought, yeah, the traitors are going to keep me as long as they can. Peter then jumps in. He agrees that Phaedra hasn't really ever been nervous like a faithful, and yes, also he thinks that Dan was landing her in it before he left. And here's where Kate speaks up, like you said, Stephen. She, she's like, how come yesterday everyone was so keen on poverty? Did those reasons just evaporate? So she, she's uh, she's right, but she's also just not picking up on... She's kind of a step behind, I guess. She, you know, was, the others have figured out that Phaedra is a traitor and Kate's just not quite there yet. Um, Peter then says, well, you know, I had a conversation with Parvati today and that changed my mind. And Phaedra's like, yeah, there's a backdoor deal going on. And she reveals this conversation they had in the previous episode, which you referenced, Stephen. She says, Peter came to me and Parvati and tried to get us in on some secret deal. And I dismissed myself. I didn't want any part of that. And the, the, the debate, Peter, Kate, Parvati sort of debate back and forth about the shift of opinion on Peter's behalf and lots of them. See, I think this is a, I think this is a, could be a key moment. We'll see. My prediction is this is a key moment in anticipation of Peter's downfall. Yeah. That he could potentially be banished from the castle for this because of that conversation that he had in the armory with Parvati and Phaedra. Mm. And his sort of defense of it at the round table right now at, in this scene is so lame. He just can't, you know, it's just like, he can't really defend it. Um, and everybody's just got the eye on him now, as we will see. Yeah. yeah. Everybody looked really confused and they're kind of like, what is he going on about, you know? Yeah. So his, the chickens could come home to roost for him on this one. Mm -hmm. I, That's my I, guess. I think you're right. I think Peter Peter is sort of one of the, I want to use the word standout, standouts of the season, not because I think he's outstanding. But I mean, he's had the most screen time, the most sort of storyline. I'm very interested to see what is going to happen next week like i i really want to know yeah i, I want to know how long it's going to last either yeah. is he going to be banished 
will the traitors eventually just get rid of him? Uh, and I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I have a feeling he's actually going to get himself banished. I think so too. Yeah. So, uh, right before the vote, CT admits that just he has no idea what's going on. <laughs> he's utterly confused. And there are various other people that we just don't really hear anything from in the edit at the round table. So it's time to vote. We hear Kate saying she reckons the result of this vote could actually change the outcome of the whole game. Here we go. MJ is first. MJ votes for Parvati. In the tiniest handwriting I've ever seen, by the way, like on this, like this tiny, tiny writing. I've, I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I would love a psychologist spinoff or like uh i've said this before but on big brother uk back in the early years like 20 years ago actually they would have a show on like uh, one of the weekend shows they would have psychologists comment on the behavior of the players i would love a psychologist to do that and analyze everybody's handwriting on their slates and what it says about <laughs> um phaedra's next she votes for poverty as does sandra then it's peter to vote and he votes for phaedra John then votes for Parvati. Uh, Parvati, Kevin, Trishel all vote for Phaedra. Sheree votes for Parvati. So at this point, it's very, very almost evenly split. We have five votes for Parvati, four for Phaedra. I think it's not that common that the vote is split between two actual traitors. Uh, quite often it's between two completely wrong people and they're faithful or a faithful and a traitor, but it's interesting that they all they've all pegged the two remaining traitors yeah, uh, and it's and it's so close between them Alan tells us that if there is one more vote for Parvati she will be banished and CT is next to vote and he does vote for Parvati followed by Kate who does the same so it's uh, you we know, got another t-shirt line CT says I'm looking for traitors not love <laughs> yes he <laughs> says so many t-shirt lines in the show <laughs> yeah Parvati then uh, she's been banished she has to stand in the circle of truth and as she sort of gets up to go and stand there Trishel whispers to Kevin and says she's a traitor which I thought was interesting that she, she chose to say that well maybe we'll talk more about that so Parvati has, has her speech she says I've spent the last two years of my life practicing truth telling and emotional authenticity says another couple of things along those lines and says, I, I was coming out here, when I was coming out here, I wanted to play a faithful game, but I'm not a faithful, I'm a traitor. And off she goes. Kate says, that was a good speech. And this is where Trishel says something that you referenced earlier. She says, all right, I'm burning my notebook. I think she just, I think she said that for the benefit of Phaedra. I Trishel still thinks Phaedra's a traitor. She just doesn't want to be murdered. <laughs> so she's, right. she's like, oh shit, Phaedra's still here. I'd better make her now think that, oh, I was, oh, I was all wrong. I'm not going to go for Phaedra anymore. So that's what I think was happening. I agree. And also, of course, it's a double bluff because Trishel has a shield. Yeah, and can't be. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. So tonight she can't be murdered. But yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's that, well... Of course, what ends up happening is that the shield will be useless because Correct. unless she they let her carry over to next episode. Probably not. Yeah. I can't uh, I've never that's never happened before. No, I don't think so. 
uh, at the round table, Phaedra's then really upset, you know, I think Sandra maybe gives her a hug. And Sandra says in her interview that she's sad to see poverty gone despite their differences. And she says, I'm going to be the queen of this castle and I'm going to win the traitors. And she may well do that. Yep. Uh, so Phaedra is now the lone traitor, which means, you know, we're not at the end of the episode, but surely as a viewer, we, we know recruitment is probably on the way. We get some discussions around the house. We time to debrief. Kevin is talking to MJ and says, I don't, I really don't get why Peter suddenly shifted from poverty. What's going on? Don't know if I trust him. Sandra and Phaedra are basically having the same conversation elsewhere. Peter takes Kate to the kitchen for a little private chat. And he says, uh, look, I was just, I was playing a game with poverty. And Kate's not happy. Kate says, you are lying to the faithful. That's a bad move for a faithful. And she says, I'm not saying Phaedra's not a traitor. I'm saying you were doing shady shit. <laughs> Which yeah. is very accurate. Completely true. So Peter is realising that his plan is beginning to crumble. Um, of course... But the thing is with Kate, Kate does not suffer fools. Yeah, no. Peter is behaving... You know, I'm not saying he is one, but he's behaving foolishly by creating levels of smoke where there's no fire. Yeah. You know, he just doesn't need to. And she's like, this is ridiculous. And so I think she sees him as a block at this point in time in the evening, as we will see, to the faithful successfully winning the game. So she's kind of like she's just ready to dismiss him. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, the, you know, when, when Peter's saying, oh, my plan's beginning to crumble, he doesn't realize he doesn't need to worry about, worry about murder, at least for tonight. Because, you know, the faithful, they don't know how many tracers there are. So they won't realize there's only one left now and that there's probably not going to be a murder. So, they, they, you know, they all still think they're at risk tonight. Yeah. I think what MJ said to Kevin a little earlier was right on the money is that MJ said, I'm going to have a chat with Peter and tell him, cowboy, pace yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Enough with the planning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's time for Traitor's Tower then. And of course, it's just Phaedra alone. I don't think Phaedra, we've seen this in previous episodes. I don't think Phaedra has really read all the rules to the game. So I don't think she realizes that she'll probably be forced to recruit tonight uh alan arrives and he explains you're going to offer someone an ultimatum in the dungeon so you'll give someone the offer of recruitment and if they don't take it they will be murdered and alan asks who would you like to recruit and phaedra but seemingly without much thought says kate in a very devious voice um she says that kate as a kindred spirit, she's very direct. She'll do things that I can, and I think Kate understands the game because, well, Kate has played it before. She was here last season, and so we cut to Kate arriving to the dungeon, <laughs> just proceeding to give comedy gold, calls it a shithole, asks Fergus for some champagne. <laughs> of course, Fergus she wonders what she did wrong to get put down yeah, there. Yeah, she does no idea what's going on. Because this wasn't an element of her season. Uh, Fergus doesn't speak. He proceeds to lock her in. And episode 8 ends with Kate just calling out Fergus. 
I have some overall questions, Stephen, to, to put to you. Yeah. Firstly, Kate's Kate's gonna accept, right? She's of she's, not, she's not gonna do a, a Peter. I don't she? think so. <laughs> okay. I mean, if she did, I would be I would be gobsmacked if she did. Um, yeah. Because she's the one earlier in this episode during breakfast, she says, Kate says, I would throw any one of them in the moat for ten dollars. <laughs> She's ready. She's ready to be a traitor. Um, so I think she'll accept. Yeah. I mean, unless, unless she does just like, I have made my appearance fee. They're going to pay me no matter what. I'm just going to go home now. <laughs> I, I mean, after Peter's refusal, nothing would surprise me in a way, but I, I you know, if I had to bet money, I'm going to bet that she's going to accept. She's going to become a traitor. I really hope she does. I want her to. I think it's going to be fun to watch. I'm so excited to see how she behaves. Agreed. Uh, my next question, actually, we've already answered, I reckon. I wanted to just ask, is Peter playing a bad game? He, he At one time earlier in the season, I thought he was playing a very good game. And now I think he has... Um. Well, it's like MJ says, he's just, he he hasn't been able to pace himself. He's doing too much. He's trying too hard. And it's now, um, now he's playing a bad game. It's it's not working, you know? Yeah. yeah. And we're we're two thirds in now, right? We, we Assuming there are 12 episodes, I'm sure there are. I think we can start to make practical, more realistic predictions about where things are going. So I'm putting you on the spot here a bit, Stephen. Who, you don't have to name all of the, who do you think is making it to the finale? Who's going to be there in that final episode? If Kate accepts and becomes a traitor, let's see, so 9, 10, 11, 12, I could easily see... Trishel getting murdered. I'm going to just name names. Trishel <laughs> getting murdered. Phaedra getting banished. Peter getting banished. Not necessarily all in this order. Kevin getting murdered. And the final group is basically Kate the traitor and what I'm going to call the Bravo girls. Okay. Where Kate is, the end game is her trying to slide under the radar as the last remaining trader and win the game. Um, that to me would be entertainment gold. Okay, so as I, and my my next question was, do you think this season is going to be a faithful or a traitor one? So do you think Kate could pull off? That I'm not sure, and it's it's mainly because. Of the, it's going to be a nail biter. She might pick, pull it off, but Sandra is wicked smart. Yeah, that's my my predictions about who's making it to the finale are Sandra, unless uh, the traitors become wise to her and think she, and realize she's too smart and they just murder her, which could happen. So I, I think Sandra, but I think she's she's playing it pretty low key. So I think she's sort of under the radar right now. I think Sandra's making it to the finale. 
Kate, possibly Kate as well, assuming that she accepts the offer. I think CT will make it to the end because he hasn't got a clue what's going on and seems quite pliable. So I think the traitors will always assume that they can sort of bend him to their will. Maybe... John? Oh, oh well, John, unless John is murdered because he's... He's so obviously not a traitor now to everybody, so they think he's not going to get banished. Let's get rid of him. Uh, I think Kevin might make it to the end as well. And I reckon the faithful will win this season. I think it's a faithful victory because I think if Sandra's still around, she's she's going to put... She's won, I think she's won Survivor twice. She's yeah. strategic, she's clever. She, she under, She's done her homework and I think she gets the game. So I reckon she's going to lead the faithful to a win. I don't think Phaedra's going to last much longer as a traitor. And I don't think Kate is invested enough or tactical enough to make it work as a traitor. To all and that's why, yeah, I mean, that's why you could be right. She might turn it down and just let herself be murdered and go, oh, I don't give a fuck. That's <laughs> yeah. classic Kate. Um, <laughs> But if that happens, then Phaedra is in deep doo-doo. She, yeah. won't, she won't have, she'll have murdered someone, but she's going to have to try to um, recruit again. Yeah. So nine. And that's also interesting. If if by some wild chance, yeah, Kate just says, nah, I'm, I'm going home, bye. And we're left with Phaedra alone. I don't know how production works that out. So, I mean, cause, because what could happen is that Phaedra gets banished next episode and there are yes. no traitors left. Now, they could just let the game play out. I don't think they'll ever do that. I think if that was to happen, uh, Alan Cumming would just step in like he did in episode one. I think he would just choose another traitor. I think he'd just pick somebody. They would, they would have to concoct some way to get some... They, I don't think they will ever... Yeah have a season where there are just no traitors left in the last yeah. couple of it. They'd have to invent a new rule that we haven't seen yet yeah. to, to, uh, to let that come out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we will see where it goes for the next few episodes. Uh, it's time for us, Stephen, to conclude our banishment because we have been playing the Trader Traitor. We have been, I think, have been lying to one another or have lied at some point throughout this episode. I have lied to you, Stephen, I must confess. Did you lie to me? I must confess, I did. Okay. <laughs> I have <laughs> almost no idea. No idea what you lied about. I have one thing, and it's a pathetic guess, but I, go for it. And I'm just going to have to go for it. Because I didn't write anything else you said that I thought was a lie. I Unless... Uh, you might have said something about the post-mortem. And I haven't watched that. So you could be pulling a David on me. And I would have no idea if it was a lie or not. I faithfully swear <laughs> I did not lie about anything in the post-mortem. Okay. In that case... Right. Well, this probably rules this out. You, you said that... Uh, some of the players, some of the women, like called themselves the Bravo Girls, and I, I thought maybe you just made that up, and no one said that. Is that your line? No, 
Um, nope, because that's something that Kate says in the postmortem. Okay. She calls them the Bravo girls, so that's why uh, I use Yeah, them. I, I thought as much. And, and well, then I'm, I'm out. You're, you're going to have to tell me, Stephen. Yeah, you know, I, Matthew, I just slipped it in toward the beginning when Phaedra is at breakfast. Oh. And what I said was she wanted, she, I said that she said she wanted cream cheese and jam. What she says is, I want cream cheese and preserves. Oh, you know, it crossed my mind briefly, but then I thought, no, she's done. She's talked about food a few times at Brave. So this feels true. So I just ignored it. Oh, well, you got me. You got me good. Well done. Any idea what I lied about? You know, the only thing that crossed my mind was when you were describing the sacrifice ritual, as John calls it, mm. you mentioned the name of the players who were not safe. And I think you mentioned four of them, but not five of them. I don't think you said the name Parvati. And I wasn't sure if you were leaving her out as a lie or because you know, she was a traitor, so it didn't count. That's my guess. Okay. I was just leaving her out because she was a traitor and it didn't count. <laughs> so I just didn't think I needed to mention her. So it wasn't a deliberate lie. Uh, my lie, funnily enough, was we must have lied to one another within the space of 10 seconds because I lied at like, <laughs> the exact same moment as you did. And my lie was also about Phaedra. I described her outfit at breakfast and I said she was wearing a beret, a tartan tie and a little sparkly brooch and she was not wearing a little sparkly brooch. I added that detail in. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I love it. And what's so funny is that it was in fact Alan who wore the sparkly brooch <laughs> in this episode because he had that crazy golden brooch with the green stone in the middle that was holding his little uh, Afghan blanket yeah. up yeah. so well done we're you know where are our applications we should be applying for the traders right now yeah. well we're good traders but we're not good faithfuls because we didn't detect the lies but we that's okay we're good at lying and anyway it's not, it's, it's not the role i want in the in the traders i want to be a trader so yeah and if you're a faithful who can't detect lies actually you're probably quite safe because you're not going to get murdered so that's not too bad there you go <laughs> although you do have to figure it out at the very end so uh, before we go, listeners, as always, if you are listening on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, CastBox, whatever app you use, it would be really amazing if you could leave a little review or a comment uh, or just make sure that you subscribe and follow. Uh, if you've got any questions or thoughts on the episodes, send them my way there again there is lots of discussion going on on the youtube page right now especially for traitors australia and if you're in the us within a few weeks you will be able to watch that and you can join in all the youtube chat for everyone who's leaving comments on youtube thank you so much i can't reply to all of them individually because it would take too long but i do read them all um, and it's really really cool to see everyone getting into discussions you can follow the podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at the Tradar Podcast, or on X at the Tradar Pod. And I've just remembered something I forgot to say about YouTube. We uh, this is a comment that Michael, uh, who's a very faithful listener, Michael left. 
I think in the last episode of the podcast, I was talking about the silver bars and we were wondering why in Australia do they use silver bars? And someone had said, oh, it's a nod to Dutch traitors, the original version, they had silver bars. But then my follow-up question was, why did they have silver bars? And Michael pointed out what actually should be very obvious. It's There's a sort of metaphorical reason. Stephen, do you have any idea why there are silver bars? Not a Scooby-Doo. Well, I'm saying obvious. It seemed, In retrospect, it seems obvious. Michael suggested that they did say this at some point in one of the shows. It's a sort of Judas reference, 20 silver pieces to betray Jesus. Ah, that's so clever. Yeah, betrayal, silver pieces, biblical. So they use silver bars as a reward for, for being a, a good traitor or faithful. Uh, so that that makes sort of, yes, me- metaphorical, meaningful sense to use silver. So I, I like that idea. Cool. Uh, <laughs> there we go. It's all it's all answered now, unless someone else will now be like, no, there's another reason and you just haven't realized. <laughs> this is actually the official currency of Denmark. <laughs> exactly. They used to use silver bars back in 1024. Uh, anyway, uh, you can also send me questions about silver bars or anything at uh, by emailing me at thetradarpodcast at gmail.com. And if you wanted to chip in to help me buy my $25 streaming ticket to watch Alan's um, <laughs> conversation, in conversation streaming thing in New York, you could donate at coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com slash Matthew Keeley. Uh, and there, there are other costs involved in distributing the podcast and uh, using all the editing software and all that stuff. So um, it's helpful if people want to put in a little donation. You don't have to. If you're listening and subscribing, that's uh, just as rewarding too. So thank you. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I, I hope you enjoyed talking about episode eight with me. I did indeed. Um, thanks for having me on. It's always a real pleasure to be on the podcast with you, Matthew. Oh. Um, thanks so much. No, thank you so much. And hopefully you will be back again sometime soon for some future version of The Tracers somewhere. It's always good to have your input. I'm always happy to be a correspondent when you need me. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, keep us on your radar. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.